Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome into the CHGO Bulls Podcast. Coming to you live from our studios here downtown Chicago. I am Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Join me, my guy, Will the Go Gottlieb. Will underscore Gottlieb. Heard you almost say Big Dave there. Oh, I caught it. You caught I it. I caught it. And our pal producer, Greg Braggs, on the controls. This is, uh, this is a bull show. If anybody out there in Chicago sports fandom needs a distraction from the chaos going on at Hallis Hall today and what the hell is going on with our Bears, we are here for you. There is actually simultaneously to this an emergency Bears pod going on right now with our CHGO Bears crew. Our producer Lawrence is waving at me. For those of you who don't want to deal in the misery of being a Bears fan today, what's up Vinny? We're here for you to talk Bulls two weeks before preseason even starts and there's not much to talk about. Right, Will? <laughs> yeah, not much. I My brain is there. so foggy trying to comprehend everything that happened with the Bears today. So let's not. Let's not. Let's Ten days not. away from media day. Ten days away from media day. Bulls media day. We're getting close, y'all. As they say, Bulls are back, baby. The Bulls are so back. Uh, thanks again to uh, our friend Elias Schuster of Bleacher Nation Bulls for coming on yesterday's show with us. Go give that one a watch, a listen if you haven't yet. Today, we are rolling on with previewing other Eastern Conference teams standing in the Bulls' way this season. Brags in the Sands, happy to be here. <laughs> uh, so we're talking... Bucks and Pistons today, two of the Bulls' central division rivals. Before we get to that, however, wanted to talk a little bit more about what we were discussing with Elias yesterday. Just ways the Bulls can improve upon their uh, pretty pitiful, uh, unimaginative offense from last season, uh, offense that finished 24th in the NBA. And Will, you had a couple of just simple, easy ideas that are somewhat borrowed from other NBA teams, other NBA offenses, that the Bulls have the personnel to run and could work effectively for them because you're a smarty pants. So we're going to talk about them. Yeah, and I, I said this yesterday, but it's, it is worth repeating. Like, I, I am not saying this or introducing these ideas because I – think Billy Donovan's not smart enough to like know what they are already like he obviously is aware of all this it's more of just like a fluidity thing and things that I want to look for because at times despite like the emphasis on randomness and making the offense less predictable it did kind of default to a situation where give give Demar or Zach the ball and let them go to work because that's what works best for them. Right. But clearly, despite the fact that the Bulls were third in field goal percentage, they were 24th in offense. So there is a disconnect there. And so it doesn't work well for the team. So these are just some ideas of ways that I think they can mix up the offense, try to incorporate everybody or at least more people into the same actions, which I think will really help them in their half-court offense. All right, so let's take a look at these uh, and kind of break them down a little bit after we watch them. Let's start with the, the Spain pick and roll. Mr. Braggs, if you please. The Bulls really doing, need to add oh, some creativity some. to their offense to improve from 24th where they finished last year. And Spain pick and roll is a great way to do that. It's a normal pick and roll configuration, except a back screen for the roller opens up a lab at the rim. So if we're up to imagine what it would look like for the Bulls, I think they need to incorporate Patrick's screening a little bit more this year. So he'll set a screen for DeMar. And as that happens, Zach will step up and set a back screen for Patrick, which should open up a lob at the rim. But if DeMar can't find Patrick diving, he's still got Zach who will slip out to the wing 
and utilize his three-point shooting. So one more time, a little bit closer to game speed here. Patrick sets the screen for Damar, gets the back screen from Zach to open up the lob. If that is not available, Damar has Zach on the wing, and that really utilizes everybody's best offensive skill set and introduces some chaos into the offense. Before I hand the reins to you, Will, let me tell you why I love that play. Because it allows possibilities for two things that I have told y'all I want to see more of from the Bulls offense this season. Patrick Williams getting looks at the rim, being a big boy, dunking, getting and ones at the rim, using his physical size, and catch and shoot opportunities for Zach Levine off the ball. Both of those things in one simple play. I like it. Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, again, these are not super complex actions. You see every other team in the NBA running this, and I'm sure the Bulls ran it at times last year. But it just adds another layer of complexity where it's not just your standard pick and roll that the Bulls run time and time again, which is very effective for them. But it creates an open alleyway for a lob for Patrick. Uh, which, as you said, is like a great way to incorporate him in the offense to make him feel more involved and to just build some confidence with him being in actions as opposed to just standing on the corner waiting for a kickout pass. So I really like that for him. And then, you know, using Levine in this situation, uh, this is another thing that the Warriors do, and we'll talk about that more with the split actions uh, on the next one. But using your best shooters as a screener is a really dangerous way to create offense because the way the defenses work in the NBA, you're either like if you set a good screen, you're creating space for that guy. So if he's coming off the screen, if Kobe or Patrick are coming off a screen from Zach, they're going to be open. Mm -hmm. And so Zach's man then has to decide if he's going to help and try to take away that cut and that lane to the basket. And if he does that, then Zach's going to be able to slip out to the wing and be wide open for a three. So I just think it's, it's a good way to add an extra layer of complexity and create some chaos in the half-court offense. And it's just a little bit less predictable, too. So you're not just, like, relying on DeMar because it's, like, oftentimes the offense was just DeMar's going to get a shot, and it's really, like, he shoots 50%. So is it going to go in this time or is it not? Right. And, like, that's the offense. And I, I think you need to add a little bit more in there. The other thing that, like, Mark and I talk a lot about is – you know, where does Patrick Williams fit into the offense? Can you put him, can you like give him possessions uh, where he's more involved? And I think a lot of the time that's just like people decide, can he be an isolation scorer or can he run pick and roll? And I don't think it has to be that way. You can put him in screening actions, which we saw a lot of, especially in the second half of last year, where he's setting screens and rolling or slipping out to the perimeter to catch and shoot threes. like. I think he can be more involved in the offense without necessarily being the one that has the ball in his hands mm -hmm. and getting lobs at the rim. I mean, there's really not a more efficient way to score in the NBA than like dunks. So yeah. This is like a great way to do that. And I think that just uh, that simple concept can be interchangeable with a lot of the pieces that the Bulls have on this roster. Absolutely. I mean, you could run that with Zach. We saw it a lot in the Pau Gasol, Jimmy Butler era where Powell would just like throw lobs up to Jimmy. Right. I would love to see Zach and like the Zach could be most, where Pat was in that play design and, at, and and vice versa because Pat can flare out and take, you know, take catch and shoot threes too. Where you put Kobe in there. Or I was going to, that was the next name I was going to say. You could put Kobe White in that same exact play. Any of these guys can fit into these configurations and that comes from being able to be a good shooter and and how dangerous that makes you as a screener. So I think this is something that like you could run out of a timeout. Like it could be, it's like a common action. Like they could be running this multiple times a game. They already run a ton of pick and roll. Why not just like add a little bit more uh, complexity and just chaos to your offense? I think it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, talking about shooters setting screens, obviously something the Warriors have done with great success. I mean, Steph Curry is running a million miles per game, curling around various screens, but like they use Clay Thompson as a back screener, as a pin down screen, a lot to have him then slip out and find himself open for catch and shoot opportunities. There's no reason the Bulls can't be doing the same things with Zach Levine and Kobe White. Absolutely. I think it's a great way to not only just generate more threes, like if you can get Zach the ball in these situations and he can get a couple extra catch and shoot threes over the course of the game, that's great. But what it also does is open up more shots at the rim. And I think more than like three point volume, it's, it's more about like, getting easy shot volume and that uh, 
like when you're when you're making defense decide who to guard, somebody's going to be open there. Right. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about the split action one next. Mr. Braggs, cue that up and go. The Bulls could really benefit by taking a page from the Warriors playbook and incorporating some split actions into their half court offense. It's so dangerous because of Steph and Clay's shooting ability, forcing defenses into making mistakes that it's not hard to imagine Zach and Kobe shooting compromising defenses in similar ways. It starts with the ball on the block where Vooch can either pass to Kobe coming off of a screen or find Zach cutting to the basket after setting that screen. If these guys run hard and set good screens, defenses have to make really tough decisions in real time. Do they leave Zach and help on Kobe, which will open up the cut, or do they play it straight up and give up the three to Kobe? So if these guys run this well, they should be able to generate a ton of easy looks at the basket and on the perimeter. And if all else fails, they've still got the ball in an advantageous position with Vooch posting up. Not surprisingly, what I like about this one is that it uses Vooch's passing ability. Yeah. I mean, this is a very common action, uh, really like the staple offense of the Warriors. It comes from the triangle, which obviously Bulls fans are familiar with during the Jordan era. And it utilizes a post threat who can pass. And I think Mm -hmm. Vooch is exactly that. Uh, They run a lot of these like empty pick and roll uh, or empty post up actions with Zach and Vooch all the time. This incorporates another body, another shooter into the action, which again, creates more chaos, makes it difficult for defenses to decide who to guard. And so when Kobe comes over that screen from Zach, he should be open. Yeah. If you're playing it straight up, he should be open. And so if the defense wants to take away an open three, which oftentimes they're going to do, that means Zach's man has to leave him to go defend the shooter. And in this case, it's Kobe. And that leaves Zach wide open on the cut. So these are just like easy, easy ways. And I don't think I saw the Bulls run this at all last year and i i kind of understand why like you have to have the right personnel to do this you have to like buy into an offensive system where you're moving around a lot and you're not always going to have the ball and Mm -hmm. that's like a tough ask from a coach so i understand why like a team that defaults to a lot of isolation wouldn't necessarily want to buy into this or if it's not working continue to buy into it but a lot of fans want to see the ball in Vooch's hands on the post. This gives him an opportunity to score one-on-one. And if that's not there, you will get an open shot from either Kobe or Zach on the perimeter at the rim. Again, it's a situation where this is super interchangeable. You could put Pat in these actions. You could flip Kobe uh, and Zach. I just think there's a lot of different ways you can do this. Javon Carter, I think, would be really good in this type of action. It does require good spacing on the backside, and it requires guys to really sell on the screens Mm -hmm. um, and slip out hard and like really move intentionally, which is something that I don't think the Bulls did a good job of last year. But if they do all those things right, you will get easy shots, whether it's at the rim or open threes. And for an offense that struggled so much to generate easy shots, this is like a perfect way to do that. I mean, do, do you think that that could be part of the reason the Bulls struggled so mightily the last two years? Um, generating good open looks and you mentioned you know the the spacing on the back side when they're running these actions uh on the other side of the floor is that like they honestly don't have enough guys on the floor with any five that they have to have backside spacing as a you know make make sure the defense stays honest kind of way to keep spacing available because there aren't a lot of knockdown shooters on this team i think it is partially a problem and like this is something that mark and i also talk a lot about which is like it's hard to blame billy for the offense when you have such little shooting and floor spacing around these guys to where even if you're trying to run stuff the defense doesn't respect these guys as shooters they can load up the paint and then all of a sudden like everything gets neutralized so i do think that's a piece of it but patrick williams stands in the corner and shoots threes all the time Mm -hmm. I, i don't see why he couldn't be in this situation um there's tons of actions that the Bulls run for Io last year called the Stampede Cut, which is basically like if he's spacing out on the wing. Brax, can you bring it back up for one second? If he's spacing out on the wing as the... Uh, Just to be clear, if I pull it up, you're not going to be able to talk over it. Uh, even if you just threw a, like a still image of the... You don't have to play it. Just pull up the screen. If not, that's fine. But yeah. either way, if... If Io is on the weak side wing, basically, like, if you just cut towards the basket as you get the ball, like, you've got to have a seam. If the defense is playing the helpline at the nail, like, he's going to be able to get lanes down the middle, too. And so it's just, like, 
getting more movement off the ball. Um, obviously, like more shooting helps, but these are things that don't require you to have Steph or Clay on the weak side spacing from the corner. It's just a matter of like getting movement and getting extra shooting mm-hmm. on the court to try to like help just grease the wheels of the rest of the offense. Uh, Maddie Legend saying yes, good, more post Vooch. Uh, we have the shooting now. Throne Hat saying Kobe will be great in this action too. It's why I want him to start. And uh, Song Yoon saying uh, basically use Vooch as a Draymond Green who can also score himself when comparing it to some of these actions that the Warriors are running uh, and a capable passer out of that post spot. Um, all right. Uh, if, I think you have you, one more. If you more. wanted to know how much the Bears are frying my brain, when Will asked me to do a very simple task, <laughs> I about melted down and started crying. Rex, you're doing great. Dude, you're not alone, man. My, my brain is still clouded in Bears fog right now. Uh, Big Dave, I need a hug. That's why we're here. Big Dave, you, there are many hug requests coming from our CHGO offices over the last few days i hope you're enjoying your vacation <laughs> uh what one more play that you wanted to talk about right will yes sir yeah this one i have not horns put, love horns but uh up on twitter yet so so uh early sneak preview to our how many people watching 19 thank Woo! you thank you guys for joining us uh this one's a horns play and it's kind of a simple setup that you see a lot in the nba where there's two screeners both coming from the elbows and at the same time, they go set a ball screen at the top of the key. Um, it's, it's a common action that you'll see a lot. And in this play, it's actually something that the Bulls used to run a lot of in the Hoiberg era, where Lowry, Markkinen, and Wendell Carter would come set a screen for Zach Levine or whoever was the ball handler at that time. Mm-hmm. And then Zach, or uh, the ball handler, in this case, Damar, will use the screen from Zach from the shooting side And then as that's happening, the shooter will cut across the other way, flare out to the other side and get a screen from Vucevic, who is screening on the weak side. And he should be open for another wide open three. So it's an action that gets DeMar into an isolation shot at the elbow, which is what he wants to do. But it provides an outlet for him if that's not there or if he sees that Zach Levine is wide open on the wing, like another really easy option. Cool. Uh, Bragg, do we have this horns flare play that we could throw up there? Yes, we do. Well, let's do it, baby. There we go. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. I can talk. Okay, so yeah, there's the screen. Damar takes it. And then as that happens, Zach then uses the same screen that Vooch was setting anyway to flare out to the wing. So DeMar's got an isolation on the right side where he wants to be anyway. And if that's not available, then he's got Zach. So one more time, Vooch and Zach set the screen and then Zach flares off of that screen from Vooch and he should be wide open on the wing. Like, yes, it helps to have good spacing from your two and your three on the weak side corners. Yeah. But if there's help or an X out happening on that strong side, then you can back cut from the wing. Right. Or from the baseline rather. So like there just needs to be more action off the ball. So I one, I think it's important that the Bulls put their best players in the same actions because that just makes makes it hard to guard. So when you have Zach screening for DeMar, one of the two of those guys is going to get a good look. But there has to be some movement or action happening aside from that to really open things up and make things difficult. Because now if the help's coming to Zach, somebody else is going to be wide open cutting baseline. Right, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I can't even begin to count how many times last season the Bulls bring the ball up. They make one screen. Maybe it's to try to get a switch. Maybe it's to just create some space for DeMar, and then he goes ISO. Or same thing with Zach. It's not asking a lot to just add a bit more screening off the ball screening um you know guys being able to make cuts from the weak side baseline to just get more open looks and we like, saw so many times like i've been re-watching a lot of these games recently so <laughs> much of the offense is damar getting a rebound or an outlet pass and dribbling it up on the left side and literally clearing everybody out and just getting straight into a post up yeah like there's no action leading into that and I get it, like he's so good at it that that is going to be an efficient source of offense, but it's just, it's not getting anybody else involved. It's not like, like I, I feel like that could be a really good 
second or third option in an offensive play. And I think that's what was so great about the Bulls offense when Lonzo was playing is they got into a lot of this action where you had off-ball spacing, you had some movement, you had a passer who was really facilitating things, and if it broke down or it wasn't there, it didn't work, now you've got DeMar, and he can just you can give him the ball and get out of his way. Yeah. But I think when you, when you default to a primary action where it's give the ball to DeMar and get out of his way, it's really hard for the rest of the team to get excited about playing in that style. And again, I'm not trying to trash Billy. I'm not trying to trash DeMar. Like, there's a reason why these guys do their jobs so well and there's a reason why I'm doing my job it's like they know way more than I ever will like what I want to see is just a little bit more movement because I think that will really grease the wheels of the offense and Billy agrees with me that's what they tried to do at the beginning of last year Mm -hmm. and I think when stuff doesn't work it's hard to have continued buy-in there right so I just want to see they they reverted back to to what was comfortable exactly what was comfortable was DeMar Iso and they're really good at it. again. So I'm not saying like they they can't do this, but I think there can be actions that lead them into this stuff. That hopefully you'll find some open looks along the way. Yeah, um, football CF Candy chiming in, saying that he wants more high post actions with Vooch. Um, then following that up, saying Horn Pistols action, Vooch on the high post, give Vooch, uh, uh, get Vooch to handle the ball, then hit the dribble handoff and give it to Zach or. Javon or Kobe, P. Will, to shoot with Vooch screening. Wouldn't yeah, be opposed to that either. The Bulls run a lot of, like, pistol 21. Like, that's kind of another one of their default sets where they'll just get, bring the ball up, swing it to Vooch uh, in sort of, like, the top of the key area, and then he'll go into a dribble handoff with Zach or Damar. Right. And, like, you've got some movement going on there. You've got two of your best players touching the ball and being involved in the same action there. Like, that's not a bad thing. But that's also probably like 80% of the I was going to say, it's, it's, a, it's most of what they've done last season. And I just think adding more makes it more difficult to defend. You can always, it's kind of like the same thing that like you'll hear Stacey King say on the broadcast, like, oh, you can always get that three whenever you want. Like try to get the ball into Vooch in the post first, and then you move into something like that. And I think that's kind of the point I'm trying to make with some of these actions. Like you can get the ball to DeMar at the elbow whenever you want for a shot. You may as well try to get other people involved. And again, this is not like DeMar slander. I'm not saying he's holding anybody back or preventing the Bulls offense from being great. But like, I do think that as a group, you have the 24th best offense right. in the league. Like, exactly. You have to try to find new things to, to mix it up. And DeMar was still a very efficient scorer last season. Not insanely efficient as two years ago. But the team had the 24th ranked offense. And he is one of the highest usage players on the 24th ranked offense. There's correlation there. Yeah, and I think this is also what I talked about with Zach during the Prove It segment, which is that, like, a lot of these plays require Zach to not have the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is a tough pill to swallow for a guy who's a two-time All-Star, who is an All-NBA caliber player. Like, he wants to have the ball in his hands. He wants to take some of these shots that DeMar's taking because he's really good at him, too. So it requires a lot of buy-in for him to be working really hard, like running the stamina of moving off the ball that quickly, that requires a lot of buy-in. And I'm not saying he's unwilling or incapable of doing that, but I just think they all need to like sit down at a table and decide like what kind of offense do they want to be? Because if it's do the same thing we did last year, you're going to end up in the same place you were last year. Right. And maybe even worse because the rest of the league gets better every year. So even if you put up the exact same offensive rating that you did last year, that might not be 24th. It might be 28th. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, did the rest of the league get better? Did the Milwaukee Bucks get better this offseason? We're going to talk about that coming up next, previewing the Bucks roster and season. Um, while we're sharing these words for our friends and sponsors, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button if you're watching on YouTube live or catching the replay. Make sure you subscribe to CHO Sports YouTube channel. So you get alerts when things happen, like Emergency Bears podcast, when the entire Bears universe is exploding on itself today. Get your shit together, Bears. Comparatively, the Bulls look like just a just a normal old team in their offseason today. It's kind of nice. Competence is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Hashtag continuity. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Are you in the market for a new vehicle? 
If you are, we've got great news for you because Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Fox Lake have just joined our CHGO team. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, during the Jeep Adventure Days at Ray CDJR in Fox Lake, you'll be able to take up to 15% off MSRP on all new 2023 Jeep Gladiator models. But that's not all. Now through September 30th, explore their newly renovated showroom and take advantage of breathtaking deals as they celebrate their grand reopening. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram because they're the only one we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or go to RayCDJR.com today. Serving the community since 1963. And if you're driving around, it's a sunny day out. Mm. What do you want to do? Put on my shady raids. You want to put on your shady raids. Duh. Take on the sun with gear that is built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've ever worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for your outdoor and indoor adventures. But that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, the Matt Peck Lost and Broken Replacement Plan. Mm. Every pair of sunglasses glasses they sell is backed by the lost and broken replacements plan so if you lose or break a pair even on day one they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked wear your shady rays with confidence because even if you're really pissed at a chicago sports team and you throw your hat and your sunglasses <laughs> happen to be on that hat and they crack and break well shady rays has you covered if you don't even like them after you buy them you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days there is literally no risk when you shop with shady rays the team always has your back. So, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays has given out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of premium polarized shades. Drive yourself! The shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 peoples. Shady Rays, where the rays are oh so shady. Oh so shady. <laughs> Did you say 250,000 peoples? Did I? <laughs> I think I heard an S on people. I love that. People. 50,000 peoples. It makes it sound more. A quarter mil peoples. A quarter of a million peoples. You got to pluralize it. You got to 250,000 of them. You have to pluralize it. It's like fishes or meeses. <laughs> I believe it, you're looking for gooses, fish. <laughs> fish. Do you know why they call me peoples? <laughs> no. Please tell me. I'm quoting. Um, this is from Shaft. The movie Shaft. Is that a Shaft quote? With Samuel L. Jackson. Not the good Shaft. The the one that <laughs> And the bad guy in the movie. He's like, you know why they call me Peoples? Oh, yeah. Samuel yeah, L. I, did do a Shaft remake in yeah. like the late 90s, didn't he? Said, he said, they call me Peoples because I take care of my Peoples. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking. I, I did not ever see the Samuel L. remake of Shaft. It's great. I, I guess I'll have to put I'm it. I'm a big fan I'll of terrible movies. I'll have to add it to movies. my few. <laughs> Recommended by Braggs. If it's crap, I'm coming for you. Um, all right, guys, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that has been a big player in the Eastern Conference playoff picture for the last several seasons running, including winning the whole damn thing back in 2021. A lot of talk this offseason about Giannis, from Giannis, about whether or not he's going to sign an extension to stay in Milwaukee. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about the team that is around Giannis and if they are good enough to make another deep playoff run better or worse than their dominant regular season and disappointing postseason they finished 58 and 24 number one seed in the east and then as we all recall somewhat shockingly they lost the Miami Heat in five games in the first round yes Giannis did get a little banged up in that series but then he came back to that series and they still lost to Miami in five games. My brain still can't really wrap its head, wrap itself around that one. Taking a look at what the Bucks have done this offseason, mostly it was the AK hashtag continuity plan, just with a better team. So with they the have that's re-signed won the championship in the past decade. Right? Yes, exactly. They re-signed Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez to pretty substantial deals. 
Also re-signed Jay Crowder, who they gave up 20,000 second-round picks to get. They also added Brooks' twin brother, Robin, Bulls legend Rolo, in free agency to a one-year deal. Also adding Malik Beasley. Players lost from last season's Bucks roster. Bulls legend Goran Dragic, who just came on for the tail end of their season. Javon Carter, now with the Chicago Bulls. Joe Ingles and Wesley Matthews. Carter, Ingles, and Matthews leaving in free agency. Will, when you look at the additions and subtractions to this Bucks roster from last season coming into this one, plus the retaining guys like Middleton, Lopez, and Crowder, better team, worse team? I mean... I think it's the worst team, and I think part of it is Javon Carter, who obviously comes to the Bulls, and I think will be a very solid rotation player, if not high-level starter. Uh, so you lose a huge piece of your backcourt depth, uh, and you don't replace him with anyone except for a couple of rookies. I like Malik Monk or uh, Malik Beasley for them. I think he adds an element of floor spacing that obviously they lose with Carter, but I mean, Malik Beasley is a true shooter. Like he he's going to provide a lot there. But he was also played off the court in big minutes in the playoffs, um, has not really been able to prove that he is capable of playing, you know, high leverage situations. Uh, but I think the bigger thing here is just like their commitment to the same guys who are really getting old. Um, mm-hmm. Middleton, Drew, Brooke. I mean, all these guys have had their best seasons behind them. Uh, Brooke Lopez just had a career year in a lot of ways. Our, career last of the last five years yeah uh where he just became like a all-world rim protector after being really known as like an offense only post scorer in his early brooklyn nets days uh he then you know really developed that three-point shot so he like fits in really well with what they want to do but at age 35 can you really expect him to get better can you expect him to stay the same uh, a lot of this was also because of chris middleton missing the vast majority of the season and not playing much when he did come back. He mm-hmm. was unhealthy with the knee um, and maybe some other issues going on with his family. So uh, to bring him back, obviously you can't just like let him go for nothing, but this is a team that I think things might start to go south on maybe not this year, but like soon. And then obviously with all this Giannis talk, I mean, it is a little, if you're a Bucks fan, I would be a little nervous, not necessarily about this year, but like, a year or two down the line, uh, at some point, who knows what's yeah. going to happen. So um, you mentioned Middleton and the time that he's missed recently. The three-year deal he signed is for $93 million, and it's got a player option on year three, and it is escalating. They're paying him 20, nearly $29 million this season, $31 million the season after that, and a player option for $33.3 million in 25-26 when he will be 34 years old. You, I get you have to keep your pieces around Giannis to keep him happy and keep him believing that this is a championship roster because of some of the things he's been saying. And that's why you also bring back Brooke Lopez. People are now already wondering, well, what about Drew Holiday? Another veteran piece that was crucial. They made a very bold choice to make that Drew Holiday trade. They gave up a bunch of draft capital for him and it paid off because they won a championship two years off. ago. That, like, that trade is already worth it because they were NBA champions, and Drew Holiday was a huge piece of that team. But not quite the same way that Bulls fans are wondering and maybe worrying, oh, man, DeMar, another year older, are you really going to sign him to a new contract? Bucks fans might be wondering the same thing about Holiday in this aging core right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is teams are not going to live forever, and Giannis is younger than some of these guys, but the way he plays – uh, the injuries that he's already had and is currently dealing with, it's, you know, there, there's no certainty with it. And I think this is part of the, like, narrative about, like, team building and asset hoarding and management where things get really interesting because, like, they obviously reached the mountaintop. They obviously have gone about as all in as you can gone into the tax as a small market team traded away all their picks to bring in another star player like they've done everything they can but Giannis keeps on going on these podcasts and saying like if there's not a commitment to winning here then I'm going to go find a place that is committed to winning Um, so it's just a super interesting dynamic 
and you like you wonder from the Bucks' perspective, like what else do we have to do here? I mean, we're paying our guys, we're giving them as much money as you know anybody else would. We're trading our picks. Like, what else do they have to do to prove that they are serious about winning? And yes, it was like worth it in that sense um, of winning. But like after after the winning stops, like it's going to get ugly for this team, for the Clippers, for all these teams that have just gone all in. Um, and you, you hope that Giannis is going to be around to sort of level that out. Uh, and hopefully guys want to come play with him. But, you know, if you lose Giannis and you still have picks out the door and your guys are like, you know, moving on or just losing their productivity, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. I do not think that will happen this year. But like I said, two, three years down the line, it could potentially get ugly. The other interesting factor with the Bucks in this offseason uh, as our, our pal Thrown Hat pointed out in the comments, they had a coaching change this summer. Mike Budenholzer was quickly <laughs> whisked away after that embarrassing first-round exit as a one seed in five games. And, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of different things about Budenholzer over the years from Bucks fans, from Bucks media, from national media, about whether or not he was at the crux of a lot of their problems for just having the one championship and, and maybe – should like should they have two or three i i think it's pretty inexcusable that they lost that first round series to miami and that's not just me a jimmy butler naysayer uh naysaying the bucks were the better team on paper i don't care if Giannis missed a game and a half of that series because of injuries inexcusable and i think a lot of people pointed to budenholzer getting out coached by eric spolstra yeah and bud has kind of been like coaching for his life the last couple years he was about to get fired before they won the chip in 21 exactly and that bought him a couple of extra years and he's a great coach like you don't just like I mean the way he like turned this team into a defensive juggernaut obviously you've got a defensive player of the year but like Brooke Lopez the way that they like just completely neutralized the Bulls offense two years ago in the playoffs like they had a really good thing going the way that they defended and then obviously you know you bring in a couple of guys that can be like perfect compliments to Giannis offensively. And there was just not enough creativity to really like get them to the point where they were not losing in the first round. So I don't know where you stand on like failure or not. Like there was that whole thing about uh, is, is this season a failure? If you can't make it out of the first round is the one seed playing an eight seed uh, 58 wins last year. Mm -hmm. Like I think it is with everything that's at stake with this team, I think it was absolutely a failure. Um, not saying they like it was championship or bust for them, but like you got to do better than that. And I think that's where this whole Giannis is kind of starting to set the table for potentially leaving. That's where that's coming from. What do you make of the choice of Bud's replacement in Adrian Griffin? Uh, name that Bulls fans are very familiar with. Two stints in his playing career his NBA playing career with the Chicago Bulls in the uh, the Baby Bulls era, then came back and served five years uh, as an assistant coach under Tom Thibodeau's coaching staff. He also got his start assistant coaching in Milwaukee under Scott Skiles, then had stops in Orlando, OKC, most recently Toronto. This is his first NBA head coaching gig, Will. Do you think that this could be a positive thing for the Bucks, or do you think it might be a bit overwhelming of a situation for a team with this many years of consecutive contention and having these championship expectations do you think Adrian Griffin is up to the task of getting this team further than Bud got them last year he's coached alongside some of the best in the game I mean Tibbs uh Billy Donovan uh, Nick Nurse. Nick I mean, Nurse. He's been, yep. he's been around the block. He's been assistant for almost 15 years in this league. He's, I think, definitely going to be prepared. And if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you obviously have Giannis being involved in that coaching search. So I think he'll be successful. I think he's going to have a lot of work. And this is like, you know, for for me, if I'm taking a coaching job or like looking around the league as a coaching candidate, like going to a team that's like on the way down, so to speak, is not really something that I am really all that excited about. Yeah. Like I'd rather go to a team like the Magic or the Thunder where you can kind of build something from the ground floor. Uh, so, you know, who knows? But 
Uh, I do think he's ready. I think he's going to be in that mix. Uh, and I and I think the Bucks are going to be better this year, if not just because they'll kind of want to mix something up. Yeah. Uh, football, CF Candy, I see what you're saying in the comments there. Um, and this is actually from one of our new colleagues over at PHLY. Uh, I'm guessing that's what you're referring to. A clip from the PHLY Sixers podcast earlier today. They threw out there, Kyle Newbeck, uh, amongst others, that yes, the Bulls are one of these teams rumored, not reported, rumored to be making calls about Damian Lillard. Can we listen to that clip? Is that is that possible, Braggs? We'll try. Um, this is not the first time hearing of this. Uh, maybe they're addressing it because there is some also speculation that the Sixers could be one of those mystery the team teams. That I've heard Thanks. that is kind of the team that I've heard that is kind of the wild card getting into the mixed team is the Chicago Bulls. If slash maybe when they trade Levine, that they would want to, you know, star level return. Young players, picks. What I have heard in the last few days is that it looks like they might be trying to move Levine as part of a multi-team deal just to see if they can get into the Dame Lillard sweepstakes. Now, the big question there is obviously even if they could pull something like that off, even if they find a suitor for Levine who is going to flip them stuff that they can trade for Dame, what the hell is Dame Lillard going to do if he ends up in Chicago playing with, like, Nicky Vooch, no offense, and DeRozan and, you know, Pat Williams, so on and so forth. The team that I've heard that is kind of the wild card getting into the Brexit. mixed team is the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir, for pulling that up. Um, yeah, I we've heard similar rumors whispers because people are talking about a mystery eastern conference team aside from miami that's trying to throw their hat in the ring for dame at the last second as the blazers try to get this deal for dame and maybe get more than the pitiful offer that they've gotten repeatedly from miami um i would not call that breaking news i would call that speculation yeah i mean i think definitely have heard this as well um I think the fact that the Bulls continue, I don't know, maybe we should just like pivot the rest of the show to be talking about this, but. Uh, you don't want to talk about the Pistons, Will? I mean, this is just, this is bigger Bulls news for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that they continue to put Zach Levine in rumors or not, they aren't necessarily doing that, but the fact that Zach Levine continues to be out in rumors, I think is really interesting. Uh, this tells me a couple of things. One, that the Bulls have no interest in going backwards, and I've been saying this for a while now. Like, if they're going to make moves, it's going to be to try to be better or to try to be good but recoup some assets. Um, so this kind of tracks with that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not super surprised to hear this. Uh, I would be surprised if it did happen. But for a team that's kind of in a desperate situation to try to go out and improve their fortunes um you know i think this is not all that surprising to me uh all right let's uh, let's take our second break we'll come back and make a impromptu decision on whether or not we want to talk about the pistons or keep talking about tame you guys in the comments you can let us know what do you want us to talk about uh the pistons had an interesting offseason for a team that's young and still probably not going to be playoff bound um but whatever you guys want to do we can uh we can improvise here on CHGO Bulls. In the meantime, y'all need to stop at your nearest Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. I'll keep reminding you and reminding you and reminding you because you're going to thank me for doing so. Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. They offer easy online ordering and in-store pickup. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Plus, they offer their great transparent loyalty program that they call Sunnyside Rewards for you frequent flyers. They've got everything. Flour for you old-school people like myself. Still like my flour. They've got tinctures. They've got the vapes. They've got all that kind of stuff for you Gen Z people. Um, and, of course, they have edibles. Everybody likes edibles. 
boomers like edibles. Um, good news. Brand gummies are my personal favorites. Give them a try the next time you pop into Sunnyside. Now through October 15th, head to sunnyside.shop and use that promo code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer, not stackable with their other promotions, but it's not just for new customers. Anyone and everyone can use that promo code of ours, CHGO25, for 25% off your order at checkout. Pick up everything you need to elevate your football season. And Bears fans, we need a lot to elevate our football season. Must be 21 and over or an Illinois MedCard holder. I don't know if you should be mixing these two things, but things are getting a little dark here, so I wouldn't blame you. (laughs) I wouldn't blame you if you go down that route. Yesterday, I embarrassed myself. By saying quack quack today, <laughs> today I'm going with the honk honk. Their first ever it. beer was the Goose Island Honkers Ale. Will honk honk <laughs> wasn't the Quackers Ale. It was the Honkers Ale. Goose Island is our sponsor here at CHGO. They're CHGO's beer and Chicago's beer since 1988, and they've got a beautiful lineup of delicious beers coming up this fall. Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. Beer Hug, mm-hmm. 312 Weedale, The Full Pocket Pilsner, The Everyday Beer, and it's what your favorite brewers are drinking. Everyday Beer Drinker, right here. Grab yourself an ultra-fresh, ultra-frosty brewery-exclusive beer at the Goose Island Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer, and CHO's Beer. Honk, honk. Honk honk. I'm 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 appreciative that you clarify that. We didn't need any more quack quacks. Um all right. How about we just quickly take a glance at the pistons and then if you want we can continue speculating on this damn stuff. Detroit Pistons, one of those teams that Bulls fans should feel confident that we will be better than this upcoming season. Finished 17 and 65. That's right, 17 and 65. Missed the play-in, obviously. The tank for Wemby did not pan out for them. But if you're talking consolation prizes in this 23 draft class, Will, I am a big fan and believer in Asar Thompson, who they took fifth overall. I'm a big Thompson fan, both of them. Uh, I think they're going to be really, really good. They've obviously got some uh, question marks with their skill set in terms of jump shooting, but like with that kind of athleticism, especially with Asar who's had to play off of his brother, a man who's had the ball in his hands for the vast majority of their careers. Like, he's going to fit well with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and Boyan Bogdanovich and Jalen Duran. Like, they've got something brewing there that I'm very excited about. They've got a lot of really talented young players, a lot of athleticism, a lot of skill, and a lot of size, uh, versatility. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are going to be a threat. I'm not sure if they're quite ready yet to make that leap forward, but... They're certainly going to be trying to. I think with a lot of these younger teams that have been kind of in the gutter for a while, you bring in a high, high caliber coach in Monty Williams. Um, they're not like trying to be bad anymore. They're not going for Wemby anymore. They're going to they're going to try to be good. They may not get there right now, but like for a team like this, I think the way up is really fun. And if I were a Pistons fan, I would be excited about watching that. I think they've got all the talent in the world, and, and Asar Thompson is definitely – one of those core pieces that they're going to really have to develop this year. Indeed. They also added uh, Marcus Sasser later on in the first round of the 23 draft. They retained Isaiah Stewart, speaking of that size, on a new contract this offseason. They added Joe Harris and Monte Morris in free uh, or via trade, excuse me. Joe Harris, obviously a nice piece, one of the most prolific three-point shooters in the NBA. Uh, coming off a bit of a down year, however. Subtractions didn't lose a whole lot of pieces you're probably crying over losing Corey Joseph and Hamadou Diallo chief among them Diallo guy that a lot of people were high on in his early career he's kind of tapered off uh hasn't really found his way yet uh talking about whether or not they can make that leap this year will or whether or not they are still organizing and still a bit too young Vegas has projected them to make a 10 or 11 win improvement this season setting their win projection over under at 28 and a half do you think that they're capable of flirting with just shy of 30 wins this season yeah again I think I I said this the other day about um the Wizards like 28 is just so low it's obviously much more feasible to hit than whatever it was like 24 and a half uh from last year but 
Um, only four teams finished under 28 wins last year. I'm not saying I think they're going to be like a 35-36 win team, but around 30. Again, I don't think they're going to try to tank this year. Maybe the last month or so of the season when things start to really fall off, um, if things start to really fall off. But there just aren't very many full-on tanking teams this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think the the like the super high-end win teams won't be there as much, and the super low-end teams in terms of win totals won't be there as much this year. Uh, I I really like their future outlook. I'm not sure I'm ready to go like much higher than 28, 29, but that, that seems like a pretty fair line for me. Who is their leading scorer this upcoming season? I think it's going to be Cade. Think I'm a Cade? super big fan of Cade. Um, he has all the skill in the world to be like a really high-end a one option on a good team like the the skill the ball handling the off the dribble shooting the playmaking the finishing the foul drawing like it's all going to be there he's also six seven got great size to defend multiple positions he's going to be a star player uh missed almost all of last season with the shin surgery but i think he's he's ready to be like near all-star caliber like as star as soon as this year uh, a couple people in the comments mentioning the monty williams hire Throwing a hat saying Detroit will surprise this year. They didn't pay Monty that much to go back to the draft. Football CF Candy saying the Monty Williams factor is the only thing I'm worried about. Even with the magic, their spacing is really not it. I don't know how, just how good their coach is. Monty is the guy. Um, some people in the comments doubting if Kate Cunningham has that superstar factor in him. Um, I, I don't think we necessarily need to see it this year to know whether or not Cade Cunningham is at that level, but I, I, I am with you, Will. I do think we're going to see another, some additional level of startup from Cade this year. That can be true, while also the Pistons might be a team that's struggling to get a lot of wins together. Um, okay, so there's a quick glimpse at the Detroit Pistons. Bulls hopefully will take advantage of getting as many wins against them as possible this season. Wouldn't mind regular season sweep against Detroit. We're talking about the Bulls trying to flirt with the mid to high 40s in their win total. You need you need those wins against those teams, and they didn't do it last year. With our remaining time, let's uh, continue our, our fun little speculative conversation here. There have been lots of talks. I listened to the most recent low post that just dropped this morning. They did talk a bit of Dame on that podcast. I heard nothing from either Zach Lowe or Kevin Pelton. I, the Bulls were not even mentioned in that conversation. They were talking mo- mostly Miami. They were talking Toronto, and they were talking Philly. And that's probably why our colleagues over there at PHLY brought this up. Because maybe they're hoping that they're the team, not Miami, that ends up with Dame if that trade gets done before training camp. But it has been thrown out in various NBA circles via whisper that maybe the Bulls are one of these other teams that's trying to swoop in and take Dame from Miami. Well, take Dame from Portland and Miami. The other factor here that I think Bulls fans can't forget, and yes, not just the contract stuff, as I saw DeMond breaking down Dame's uh, contract in the comments, and it's a big one, 45.5 this year, 48.7, 58.5, player option for 63.2. The other factor being Dame and his people have said, don't approach us and don't approach Portland if you're not the Heat. I only want to go to the Heat. If the Bulls really, if their front office is thinking about making a wildly bold move to bring in Damian Lillard and thus also likely ship out Zach Levine in some kind of trade, whether it be a two-team trade, a three-team trade, and Dame doesn't want to be here, that's a really, really risky play to make. It is. It's it's a huge gamble, um, and you you make that trade not with the assumption that he's going to be happy, but uh, you know hopefully you get some sort of clarification or you know I'm not sure like what the rules are in terms of being able to talk to players that you're about to trade for, but like you can't make this trade without Aaron Goodwin being at least slightly on board with coming to Chicago. And I do think that like Dame is posturing right now. He wants to go to Miami clearly, but if he ends up in a situation that's not like complete 
dumpster fire. That's not a complete, you know, rebuilding project. That's not in a city that he would just completely not like, or a city that's already won, you know, four championships in the last seven years. I think he would probably get on board with it. Um, he and Demar are very close. I think it would work from a basketball perspective. Like we talk about how good we think Zach is and how good he actually is. Um, Dame is in another world. Dame is extremely good. Obviously, the contract, um, notwithstanding, the age, notwithstanding, like Dame is an upgrade from Zach on the basketball court this year. But if you make this trade and you go into your future draft pick bank and you sell off guys like Patrick Williams or Kobe White in order to do so, then you're getting into this like questionable territory of like, are we really going to be good enough today to where you can justify completely mortgaging your future on a team that has maybe two or three years to really try to do something uh, with guys that have not been able to do it before. It's, it's a really tricky question that the bulls have to ask themselves. But again, I think with the amount that we've heard Zach's name in the rumor mill this year, um, it's clear that they're willing to try to upgrade from him uh, or move off of his contract in some capacity. And if that happens to be for a guy who is making, you know, the the last the the timeline of their deals matches up. So 26, 27 is the end of both of their deals. They both have player options. Zach's is 49 million. Dame's is 63 million. Okay, so that's like an absurd amount of money for what will be an age 36 player. So this is not something that happens without risk. I do wonder, like, are you going to be now... Like, I don't blame the Heat for not wanting or not being able to throw more assets into this. Like, this window is not huge here. So if you're giving away 27, 29 picks or 28 and 30 picks... Mm -hmm. That's that's just a tough decision, but certainly a team that I think would achieve more in the next season or two. And yeah, I mean that you're basically talking about continuing the Bulls giving up their first round pick every other year, going back to giving our 21 pick to Orlando from the Vooch trade, 23 again giving it to Orlando, still owe the Spurs for the Demar Sinan trade, a pick in 2025. So if the Bulls are getting demanded to give up some draft capital in addition to Zach Levine in a trade for Dame. You're talking about not having your draft pick every other year for the entire decade of the 2020s. And thus far, a first round exit to show for it. Yeah. And I don't know how much Dame changes that. I honestly don't. I think he I think he makes your ceiling from a first round playoff team to a second round playoff team and for a lot of fans, that's probably still not good enough, and I understand why. Uh, but he, I think he does make you better. Um, obviously, there's questions about, like, the fit and, you know, the DeMar, Dame, you know, who gets the ball in the clutch. Like, there's going to be questions with that, whatever. Uh, but I do think he makes you better. There's also a lot of risk associated with that, too. The Bulls have the Blazers pick, so maybe, you know, if they're moving off of uh, their star player, they just like want to have all their picks and not have to worry about not being able to make future trades or, you know, getting too far ahead of their skis and making the playoffs one year when they're not quite ready or, you know, who knows what. But the Bulls could leverage that asset. But I think really what this comes down to is a third team is going to need to get involved where Zach Levine goes to a Charlotte or a Dallas or maybe a Philadelphia is the other team involved in this. And this is part of a broader James Harden, Zach Levine, Dame Lillard, Clippers deal. Um, I think it's there's there's a lot of possibilities with this, but again, there I think there is going to need to be at least one more team, and I don't see a world where it's Demar going out instead of Zach. I, I just with the money and with the length of the contract, I just think it makes too much sense for the Bulls to try to move off a guy that they've clearly been trying to move off of. Yeah. The, the other possibility that I think could be happening here with this, as Braggs has labeled it, breaking speculation news, which I think is a bit of an oxymoron. Um, this could be other people making shit up about the Bulls making a play for Dame because they have vested interest in whatever happens with Dame. That kind of stuff happens all the time in the NBA 
with gossip circles, with rumor mills. I'm not saying I fully disbelieve 100% that the Bulls have made no contact with Portland about Dame. I'm saying I am still very, very, I'll give you a third, very skeptical that these are like, oh, talks are going on and just nobody's reported on it yet. And Dame's going to like, we're going to wake up tomorrow and Dame's going to be a bull. Very skeptical of that. Yeah, I think the percent chance of this happening is still incredibly small, but I've just heard it from too many different places now to where there's nothing. Like there's probably been a call made, who knows to what extent, but uh, yeah, it's just, it keeps coming up. Where there's smoke, there's fire, as they say. Sometimes where there's smoke, it's just you're at Hallis Hall and there is smoke because there is fire because it's burning to the goddamn ground. I should have done that to start Thank the you, Brad. Not to uh, that is it. We are out of time. Hope we managed to at least somewhat distract you from the misery of being a Bears fan today. We'll, uh, we will be back tomorrow. I'll have another guest with me in studio. And then Will and our guy Mark K will have an HQ for you on Friday to lead you into the weekend. Thanks, as always, to our friend and producer Greg Baggs for rocking the controls today. Will is at Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. I'm Bulls underscore Peck. We are CSU underscore Bulls. And we will talk to you same time, same place tomorrow, 4 p.m. Central Time on Thursday. See Red be good.